Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, speaking to a group of evangelical Christians at a Texas church-based rally, was reported to have said this, quote, So if we are going to have one nation under God, which we must, we have to have one religion, one nation under God, and one religion under God, end quote. Now, I can guarantee you that this remark caught the attention of not only those in attendance at the rally, but of every individual who values religious freedom and separation of church and state. But not so fast. One religion would certainly simplify things, right? Everyone would be on the same page when it comes to religious dogma and who God is and how God acts. What's the problem? Here to address that question is Reverend Jennifer Hawks, Associate General Counsel at Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, where she provides legal analysis on church-state issues that arise before Congress, the courts, and administrative agencies. She's a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, Texas and Mississippi Bars, and General Counsel for our Baptist Friends. Reverend Hawks, welcome to LifeQuest Liberty. Thank you, Charles. I'm glad to be here. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Okay, one religion... First, you'd be out of a job, Jennifer. And second, what do you see are the hidden dangers for striving for one religion in this country? I mean, wouldn't it bring everyone together where they could join hands and sing, we are the world in beautiful harmony? It certainly would not. There are just so many dangers with this line of thinking. I'm proud that our founding generation took a different path and looked to protect religious freedom for all. One of the more practical concerns is religious freedom has really flourished here in the U.S. Christianity has flourished here. Churches are fuller than European churches. Our institutions are stronger than religious institutions around the world because it's been all voluntary. And so when I connect with the church, then I have the choice of giving them money. I have have the choice of being involved in lay ministry and teaching Sunday school or singing in the choir. In my case, I play handbelt at my church and, and because my church is important to me, and so I want to invest my time and my resources. Sources. But if I was assigned a church membership from some government entity from the state capitol, I doubt I would have that same level of engagement. But Jennifer, wait a minute, wait, what if, what if it was decided that everyone should be a Baptist? Why, why can't you be happy with that? Anyone who knows Baptists know that there's lots of disagreements among Baptists. <laughs> no, so the question true. would be, what kind of Baptist? There and who go. and who gets to decide what is Baptist and what is not? There you go. I grew up in uh, in Tennessee, and so I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of rural towns throughout the South. And even in your smallest rural towns, you probably have at least a Baptist church, a Presbyterian church, and a Methodist church. Mm-hmm. So even Christians in our small towns can't agree on one religion yeah. because we all have our own views of the Bible and, and what the Bible demands of worship. And so that can be different practices. It can be different types of services. It can be different days of services. And it's not the government's job to come in and decide who is right and who is wrong. Well, now you're disappointing a lot of people here, Reverend Hawks, because so many minds are thinking, you know, if Michael Flynn was right and we could just have one religion, it would save a whole lot of problems. But they don't seem to think as far in, in the way you're thinking. I guess would I be right in saying that when they think one religion, they're thinking, well, of course, it will be my religion. Is that what they're thinking? 
everyone who I've ever heard make that kind of a statement. They assume that the religion is going to be their religion, and it's going to be the way that they practice their religion. And you're saying that that's not even possible. It's not possible now, even though we have religious freedom in this country. That's not happening here. Do you ever see that happening? And let me, more to the point, let me ask you this. Has it ever happened? And when it did happen, what happened? We've never had a society, at least here in the U.S., right. where there was one religion. Yeah. And it's, it's just never existed. Even at our very founding, we had people who were non-Christian. I don't know if they would have explicitly said that, that they were atheists, but we had people who were non-believers. We had Jewish colonists. And then a lot of the slaves that were brought over from Africa were Muslim. So from our very beginning, we had the big three monotheistic religions represented here on our shores. Uh, but if, if you look at other countries that do have a state church, and so someone has decided this is the religion for our country, there's still religious disagreement. And so a lot of those countries have blasphemy laws that, that try to prevent people from criticizing religion. Because when we think about something that is so central and so central point of identity. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not have questions about that when someone else is telling me what that's supposed to mean. That's one of the things I love most about, about our Baptist tradition is, is we have a tradition of bringing questions, and sometimes that there aren't answers or there aren't easy answers. But if we can't ask questions, it becomes really hard to translate a 2,000-year-old text to modern times. So how do I grapple with these eternal truths that I learn in Scripture and apply it to you know, the stresses of my daily commute, or apply it to the demands on my time, whether it's, it's work and leisure and friends and family. And, and there's all these modern concerns that aren't actually in the words of the Bible, mm-hmm. but I learn truths from that text that through questioning and through study and through evaluation, I'm able to apply to my modern day. But if someone had just declared, America's going to be a Christian country, and this is what Christian means, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the beauty and the depth of my relationship with Christ that I currently have. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. And speaking of Christ, what would he think of this statement of Michael Flynn and this concept of one religion in this country? Do you think Christ would say, oh, finally, I'm going to have a nation that is following me every step of the way? Oh, well, wait a minute. That didn't work last time. He's probably saying, I tried that. It didn't work. Is Christ on board with the idea of one religion in this country? Do you think? I mean, I highly doubt it, because when he came to Earth, he could have come and taken over the Roman Empire and just declared the Roman Empire to be Christian. But that's not how he came to Earth, and that's not how he spread his gospel ministry. You know, he took a ragtag group of disciples, and there were women there as well, and he taught them lessons and sent them out, but they were never told to take over a country or to take over an economic system, become the levers of power in a society. It was very much an underground kind of a movement that exploded and took off, and I'm pleased to be the recipient of 2,000 years of this. But yeah, there were definitely choices that our Savior could have made when He came to Earth that would have been reflective of a one-religion type of mindset, and He did not.
We're talking with Reverend Jennifer Hawks, Associate General Counsel at the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty located in Washington, D.C. And more to the point, Jennifer, your offices are right across the street from the Supreme Court. How do you see this playing over there? Michael Flynn's words, we need to have one religion, one God, one religion. Is the Supreme Court leaning that way? I mean, we have more of a conservative court than we've had. Is it sort of following suit? Do you fear for the future of what's going to happen in that building across the street from yours? There have certainly been some decisions that we at BJC are concerned with, and even the cases that they've heard this year, there was one case of a prisoner on death row who wanted his pastor in the execution chamber with him. Right. He had come to a fuller understanding of his faith while in prison, had connected with his church while in prison. They had been doing incredible prison ministry there. And a natural result of that is he wanted his pastor with him at the very end. And a lot of the justices wanted to question his sincerity and, and whether he really meant it or whether he really even needed it. Like, can't he just pray earlier and then just go die quietly in the oh, execution Lord. chamber? It was very offensive to a person of faith, yeah. or to me it was, anyways, yes, yes, me too. of, you know, that I want to be able to pray in my last moments if I know when that's going to be. But then we have other Christians who come before the court who seem to be given a pass and assume the best about them, assume the best about who they are. And so there are certainly some some troubling signs, but I'm hopeful for the court that they will recognize the value of the Establishment Clause and why we don't prefer one religion over another and why we don't try to force religion upon others, that religious neutrality really is the best way for our government to go forward. As you study the life of Christ, which every Christian does, Jennifer Hawks, How do you see him treating people of various religions and various beliefs? Do you see him trying to go around trying to create one religion among the individuals? He said, follow me. He didn't say, join my church. Is there a difference then between following Christ and joining a church? Are those two separate activities? It's not necessarily two separate things. And so for me, the difference is, Christ wanted us to follow Him and to follow His example and to live out that example in our world. It can be hard to do at times. It sounds very simple, but love your neighbor as yourself is a huge command because, you know, I love myself a lot. And (laughs) if I'm going to love my neighbor, then I have to be willing to give them the same benefit of the doubt that I expect Mm. when, when I do something. I'm going to make mistakes, and I appreciate when people point them out so that I can learn from them. I need to have the same gracious spirit towards my neighbor when he or she makes a mistake, as I would expect them to give to me. And so the institution of the church, whenever it goes after the political power reigns, then it becomes very different from following Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think the two are not necessarily exclusive of one another, but they certainly can be, depending on where the motivation is. It sounds like you're saying that to be... A Christian, to be Christ-like, means allowing people to have choices. It allows people to decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong for themselves based on their journey with Christ. Would I be right in saying that? Absolutely. I mean, one of the ways to to describe the Bible is it's a beautiful love letter of God to us. Mm -hmm. And 
humanity managed to screw up a lot of times, yes. and we would be with God, and then we would reject God and go do something else, and then we would come back to God. It's a 66-book love letter of God's pursuit of humanity and, and wanting us to be in relationship with Him. There's so much beauty there. There's so much truth there. I'm a big fan of local religious community and being able to learn from them and live in community with them and experience the heartaches with them and experience joys with them. I think that's what our Christian walk is supposed to be reflective of. Mm, Beautiful, beautiful thoughts there. Reverend Jennifer Hawks, Associate General Counsel at the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. And on the previous program, you mentioned a website that people can come and visit to learn more about you and your work. What's that website? Absolutely. It is bjconline.org. All right, bjconline.org. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your heart today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate the invitation. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Our website is libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Reverend Jennifer Hawks, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>